Hola and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tal and this is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're all well, guys. I hope you're making a mess of your spare bedroom. I hope you're making a shit tip of your studio. I hope you're enjoying all of it. <laughs> Sorry, I got a bit fired up. I hope I find you well. Um, how's it all going? What have you been up to? How's the summer been treating you? Creeping into September now. Can you believe that? It's pretty crazy stuff. As I speak, today's guest, iMagazine, have just launched their new issue with 8,000 unique front covers. When else have you heard that? I certainly haven't come across that before. It's pretty amazing, and I had to get down there and talk to them about that and all things iMagazine. It's a staple for us geeks, right? It's there in Magma. It's there in Artword Books. It's there in bookshops that appreciate a good creative journal, and these guys are right up there with the very best. I hope you are the same as me. You all guys all check out iMagazine because it's wonderful. Uh, last month's cover, speaking of covers, was incredible by Olivier Kugler, part of his Syrian refugee reportage project. Olivier has told me he's going to come on the show in the future, and I hope that's the case. I hope I can bring him to you because he's brilliant. Fantastic illustrator, reportage artist. Got some killer stories. I mean, living life on the edge... We've got stories about the mafia and all sorts going on who he's gone and met to illustrate and do his little reportage stories on. He's, he's absolutely uh, a unique talent anyway, but iMagazine celebrate all of that stuff and we're going to get into that a little later today with a special episode on them. Um, thanks to the sponsors who keep the show free every week for you guys. Illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and printed.com. Um, Illustration Web, the founding sponsor of the show, my agency representing over 200 different people, lettering specialists, um, reportage illustrators, fashion illustrators, live, large scale, you name it, worldwide. They're covered truly globally. Um, They bring out a printed promo book called Scrapbook every so often. It's brilliant and it goes out worldwide. And one of the covers not too long ago was by Muxy. Go and check out Muxy's work. I'm a big fan beautiful colour, sort of ca- these kind of cartoony characters, they're really awesome um, and I believe she's based in Guatemala so there you go, we are truly global heartinternet.co.uk superb tech sponsor giving me a digital tip every week that I hope is of great use to you guys and this week I'm going to double it up with printed.com, my other sponsor, my printed sponsor, my personal printer, my podcast sprinter, sprinter printer, <laughs> bloody athletics all over the telly innit um, and I'm going to I'm going to combine the two because, like I said, it's a special issue this time. I magazine have I've pulled off a unique feat of having every single magazine cover as a numbered, unique, limited edition. So we're going to talk in depth about that, what the idea was, how that all came about. But the way that they support this as a printed product is fantastic. So. John, the editor I was talking to, and before we got talking on the episode, he was showing me these beautiful videos on his phone that he shot on his iPhone, down the printing press, watching the technique, each of these covers being run off and bound, and all that lovely inside stuff that we'd like to see as people who indulge in these kind of geeky details. It's essential in our industry, and they they pay a great lot of attention to that. Um, so it just goes to show that's a digital way of supporting a printed product, which is wonderful. And, and you know, we talk about that idea of sitting, you know, in the evening, getting away from all the noise of digital media and sitting down with a lovely printed product uh, about the conundrum of, of having too much to work with to fill the magazine. On one hand, that's a great problem. Uh, on the other hand, it's a headache for the editor and the art director, Simon, um, who also joins us on the show today. 
So that's a, a kind of combined tip, the way you can support print and digital and use them both together. Uh, and go and have a look at iMagazine. That's the tip from both this, this month. Go and have a look at their social channels, uh, which will be in the links for the show. And look at the way that they combine them, because you can do that too. Uh, you know, showing the behind the scenes, the making of, all that kind of stuff. Teasing details. I think it's very, very important um, if you're going to operate in, this, in the printed arena today. So there you have it. Thanks to the sponsors. Cheers, guys. Illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and printed.com. Quick thank you to the Association of Illustrators, too, who promote the show every week. They're doing a great job. Uh, and it's my pleasure to, to announce that we're going to be doing the first ever live Arrest Armour Mix. Very limited number of tickets. It's going to take place down at Us 2 in Shoreditch in London. And it's going to be with illustration legend Brian Grimwood, who's been in the game for many decades um, he set up the Central Illustration Agency. He knows the game. He's got a beautifully unique style and he's got an awesome book out there. So look forward to that. Ticket details will be out on the social. They'll be on the, the AOI's channels. So go and check that out. The AOI.com is the place to stay on top of it. Um, it's all going on. They're going to be launching a new website soon. So I'm excited about taking things live. Um, keep an eye out. Tickets are probably going to go pretty fast. Uh, can't wait for that one. So today's guest, Hype Magazine. These guys go way back in my illustration love affair. Um, they're there at uni. They were there um, in Magma, one of the first art bookshops I came across in Manchester. They were there on the shelf taking pride of place, deservedly so. It's a beautifully designed magazine. It's a great journal. They've been going since the early 90s. And here they, here they are. You know, they're, they're into their 90s now in terms of issues. Probably out right now when you get this episode in your ears. Um, 8,000 different covers. We're going to find out what is that all about. I'm going to meet John, the editor, and Simon, the art director, to talk about why that's important. We're going to talk about the process in commissioning their front covers and why they're not tied to strap lines and loads of text getting away, all that stuff. Um, looking back, actually, it was iMagazine who ran a... You know, they had, they've had Ken Garland in the issue doing writing for them and featured Ken many times over the years. And it was seeing Ken in their issue a while after uni that, that reminded me of how much I adore his work because I'd written about Ken Garland and his first things, first manifesto uh, in a dissertation that I featured on graphic activism. And it was many years after uni when I came across uh, Ken in iMagazine in Magma in Manchester and thought I should contact Ken actually about doing something, about talking to him. At the time, it's for a charity campaign I was running on behalf of CALM, who were a male mental health charity working to prevent suicide. Um, the biggest killer of young men in this country. Sad statistic. Go and have a look and see how you can support that. Um, and I contacted Ken and said, look, I'm a huge fan. I wrote about you in my dissertation. It would be a huge honour if you could give me some some words, basically, about your own work, you know, to, to create a better society and, and channel your energies into, into great projects that are going to build a better world for us, not just about capitalist gain. And Ken said, yeah, come down, spend the afternoon in my studio if you want, we'll have a chat, we'll have a coffee. And it was a huge honour to do that, to spend time with him. And it was thanks to iMagazine featuring great work that that came about. So I thought it would be rude not to go down and find out what the scoop was on these 8,000 unique front covers, find out what the history is of iMagazine, what are the challenges of producing a print magazine in a digital era, uh, but why that's also standout, why that's become more special now, and then about the rise of uh, indie magazines and all those great bookshops. We're going to get into all that stuff. 
So I hope this is one for your design geeks because it certainly is for me and I hope you enjoy it. So get your feedback on the Twitter at Arrest on the Mix. Go and check out I on all their social channels, but most importantly, go and get yourself a copy of this wonderful magazine because I had the pleasure of sitting down with John and Simon and seeing all the covers over the years, seeing their HQ, which uh, you'll have seen on my photos on the social media, at Arrest on the Mix. And we're going to get right into all of it. So without further ado, thanks again to the sponsors, illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk and printed.com. But iMagazine gave me some time to go and spend with them on a Friday afternoon. And I'm going to take you to it right now at their headquarters in North London. Enjoy. So, well, just don't mind giving us a little little intro in terms of uh, how long have you guys been been doing this now with iMagazine? Um, it goes back a long way. Um, I've, I've been editor of i since uh, 1999. Uh, at the time, uh, iMagazine was owned by um, a kind of trade publisher. But before that, it had been owned by EMAP, and before that, it had been owned by uh, WordSearch, uh, which is actually a company that formed um, when Simon and Dan Sujic and a number of others started Blueprint magazine back in the 80s. Mm. So iMagazine's roots go right back to um, WordSearch and Blueprint, and I, I itself was launched in um, 1990 when uh, the founding editor was Rick um, Pointer, who still writes regularly for us, and the uh, founding art director was Stephen Coates, who just met over there. So um, uh, lots of interesting connections. And it was, um, for, for some time I was uh, kind of sold and bought by various uh, companies. Uh, after Quantum, it was bought by Haymarket, the uh, Michael Hasseltine's company and uh, when our previous art director Nick Bell uh, left about, about 10 or 11 years ago um, uh, so I invited Simon to come in as guest art director and he's stayed ever since so. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your own background Simon? Uh, editorial design so uh, as John was saying I uh, helped start Blueprint magazine which was a kind of early independent art architecture, graphics, magazine. Um, and then I do, do designs and redesigns for magazines and, and newspapers. Mm. So just, I mean, just from a person, you know, as an illustrator slash designer's perspective, you've, you've got a role that's probably up there in terms of, from my point of view, iMagazine, it's, it's right up there with any sort of design magazine on the shelf. That must be a great role to have. Uh, no, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to work on. I mean, it's not, you know, we, we very much you know, use material that uh, is connected with the articles. So it, there is a little bit of commissioning as such, but there isn't, this, it doesn't work in quite the way that a conventional magazine would work, where you're, you've got editorial texts and you're commissioning illustrations or photography to go with them. You know, the, the images and the are an integral part of the, the story so a lot of the work is actually in editing those images down and choosing the right images or, or even just a matter of finding them mm. we're quite eclectic in terms of where we get things from and organizing yeah. to, to reproduce them and the magazine runs quietly right it's the theory <laughs> <laughs> yes they've been they've been running a bit slowly we're, we're working now working on um, uh, number 95 Mm. which won't be a themed issue. We, we do these themed issues from time to time, which uh, often seem to take a bit longer 
to do, and the latest one, which we've is just is literally hot off the press because it was just bound uh, yesterday afternoon, is um, a type special, and uh, approximately every four issues is a is a type special, uh, because our readers um, who are probably mainly art directors and graphic designers. Um, our readers are very interested in typo- typography. They, they use type, they buy typefaces, and our biggest supporters in terms of um, advertising are um, our type foundries. Hmm. Uh, so, um, but the, uh, each type special will, will uh, really depending on the material, but they, they can go in very different directions. They can focus more on typography, on the use of type, or they can focus on the design of type and with the new issue um, we featured well, se- several examples of, of type design but um, there's, a, a, there's a big piece by Nadine Shaheen who uh, is the new um, is the, the type director of Monotype and is a um, uh, type designer who's worked on a lot of Arabic typefaces and also new typefaces that combine both Latin and Arabic type uh, we've also but in great contrast to that, we've got a piece about Muir McNeil, who make these kind of very mathematical, constructed, parametric type systems, which um, are, as, well, the way they put it is, uh, they're not conventional type designers, although they're certainly nothing like some of the other type designers we've featured, um, but they describe themselves as graphic design, graphic designers who make typefaces for other graphic designers. <laughs> so you get... Um, it's quite in-your-face approaches to type, often push it, legibility. Mm. Uh, they're very... Uh, they're great typeface for, for making patterns and for uh, you know, making logos, making um, really compelling graphic form and uh, sometimes you know, almost illustrative in the way they come out, like this um, mm. uh, San Francisco-inspired poster. And um, so... Uh, to tell the story a bit of why we ended up with the cover we have, um, because their, their typefaces are based on these interlocking, overlapping mathematical processes, uh, Simon for some time has had a back of his mind it would be great to do a variable data cover, and this felt like the perfect subject to make into a variable data cover. So, uh, so perhaps Simon, you could pick up the story of how we came to... Make every every cover different. It's a combination of two bits of technology, really. You've got uh, the HP Indigo digital press, where every image can be different because it re-images um, the press with every impression, and that's coupled with a, a piece of technology called Mosaic, where you begin with a a sort of vector-based seed pattern, very large pattern and the mosaic technology will zoom into areas of the pattern and and choose them now previously you could do that by you know writing quite a complicated program but it, that would be on the cost of regular jobs But so HP now have it as a a, a program you can buy from them and apply it to any seed pattern uh, so the idea here was we've got 10 seed patterns which Mew and McNeil have made from overlapping combinations of their typeface and then we've run 800 different covers 
from each seed pattern. So we, we've got 8,000 uh, diff covers, they're all different, and the variable data press means you, you, you pull it, it pulls in the, the next PDF of the next design, and it will also uh, update text. So here, every, every copy of the 8,000 is, is numbered. So every copy is mm. unique. Everyone must have. Surely, <laughs> uh, I'm definitely going to be getting one. <laughs> well, well, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think you know it's still. Uh, it's, I don't think it's been used that much for uh, the, the combination of the indigo plus the mosaic. I'm not sure it's been used that much for magazine covers uh, and document covers yet. Well, Warren, who was the um, the guy in charge of the binding process yesterday, said he'd never seen it used for a bound magazine before. It, funny enough, it's been used for things like packaging, like Coke bottles. Uh, Coke did a campaign think, with two million different. Uh, wrappers. Uh, it's been used for chocolate bars, for sweet wrappers. Mm. It's been used for a few mailers, you know, just sort of sort of leaflets and things. And it was uh, Wallpaper Magazine used it for some inserts a while ago. But we think this is this may be the first cover. We, we, we need to do a bit more research to be able to state that. With, uh, yeah, God, because that'd be a that'd be a real <laughs> yeah real uh, great accolade to have. And because uh, seeing it on on press, you know we. Uh, uh, we, we were down there last week when the covers were being printed. You, 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 you see them come off each one. Well, I, I showed you a little, um, little iMovie of mm. it just now. It's just, each one that comes off is, is different. It's, yeah. it's such a, a new way of thinking about... Uh, Did you get to see the whole process, process Simon? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there is a, a test process before, so you can check the PDFs of the, of the covers. So we worked on those quite a lot and... and to assess the amount of freedom the software could have to go into the pattern and things like that. But we, we like experimenting with um, printing technologies, really. You know, pr print is um, unfashionable in lots of people's eyes, mm. but once you get beyond kind of commodity standard CMYK printing, there's a huge amount of uh, possibilities available now and technologies available now you know whether it's some of the litho technology that we use in the magazine or whether it's the digital printing technology like mm. like the indigo is this something that you know that i speak as a fan of we mentioned earlier about indie magazine stores and then the position of the print magazine as Ooh. we know that as an overall sweeping statement and perhaps it's in decline but shops like magma which i've i've lived on for you know since i got into this industry as a student mm. um is this a would you agree this is a great showcase of what have perhaps what you know the creativity that that magazines have to come up with now in you know in, in order to stay relevant and do something that you cannot get online well i, th I think um it's good to demonstrate what you can do with print um i think the way simon and i think is that it's best if it if it comes out of the content, if you have something to say, mm. rather than just to do it. Yeah, for the hell is, of it, you know, you know <laughs> most of our audience are involved with design, graphic design in some ways, student, yeah. practitioner, uh, tutor. So that you know, we seem to be. Uh, I think we're you know we're we're using this, these techniques to uh, interest them and, and excite them. I, wouldn't necessarily say that a you know an indie golfing magazine should, should <laughs> you know if it maybe 
you know, if they've got 8,000 pictures of different people <laughs> hitting a ball, then that, that, yeah. that, you know, that might be the solution. Unique golf ball with every cover. <laughs> yes. <laughs> with every issue. So. <laughs> I think, I think you, you know, you work with what the, the tools that you can, you have for your magazine, don't you? I think of that's, that's one of the lessons of indie magazines is that they can be big and they can be small, mm-hmm. you know, physically. They can be, you know, very... You, you, because we're high specification, I don't think we believe that everything should be high specification. I think you can do an amazing, mm-hmm. you know, single cover ma- magazine. Of course. But that's about content and yeah. drama rather than, uh, you know, some of the other yeah. techniques. Really. Well, I think, I think that's actually the, what, the important thing about independent magazines is that people have something to say and get them out. And uh, it could be a poetry magazine that's only got 16 pages or um, uh, a literary magazine, or it could be a completely pictorial uh, magazine like Le Petit Neon, where you know, it's just, just non-stop imagery and no, mm. no type at all. Um, it's, it, it, it means that the, the, the rise of the indie market and the distribution system and shops like Magma and Magculture, Artwords and Shoreditch and so on means that people who didn't, feel they had a platform 10 years ago now have quite a good platform and a community into which they can put their stuff. I I think the danger is if you just make a magazine because you want to make a magazine and you haven't got anything to say, then um, it's actually quite a difficult, (laughs) expensive way of uh, (laughs) indulging yourself in it. It's better to... um, yeah, to have a blog or a tweet of it. Yeah. <laughs> and what 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 is the is there a standard kind of you know process to decide to cover each issue or is that is that a kind of they feel someone feels strongly about well, a certain thing? The, co- the cover usually comes quite late in the process, and um, I mean a typical cover, say like you know the one of ninety two, which actually does something we do from time to time. It combines uh, images from two different features. Um, something like this. Um, Simon and uh, Holly Catford, the art editor, would come up with a, a bunch of different covers, maybe half a dozen, maybe three or four, and we'll put, pin them up on this um, yeah. glass here, and we'll look at it from a distance, and yeah. you know, we'll, people in the studio, even, even friends and visitors, will might, might, uh, make a comment, and we'll, um, we'll come up with one that we feel was strong, and um, you know, this, this, I think this was a... a an outright winner, wasn't it, of the ones that we had for that. And mm. other times, I think, you know, probably with, um, say, number 91, with the Romic Marba detail, um, that was, uh, I think we felt it would be nice to do something about Romic's work. And, of course, this is from a, a Green Penguin um, crime thriller, but by, by going really close in, mm. uh, very high-resolution di- photog- digital photography, you can you find a new way of looking at an image from quite a long time ago. Yeah, and of course it's an eye. You know, uh, of course, yes. you figure an eye. <laughs> <laughs> Always a winner. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's right. It, it's nice when the, there's a kind of <laughs> content reason and a visual reason to, yeah. to make something. <laughs> With um, the Olivia Kugler uh, cover, it was. Um, I mean, this is actually a crop of a much bigger uh, illustration by Olivia, and of course Olivia's. Um, uh, reportage illustrations have a lot of text on them, and I think it wouldn't have worked to have one with with too much text on. But somehow uh, Simon's Simon Holly's crop of this mm. just got the right amount of information, and we've got this um, a figure of Muhammad who's running a, um, a, 
a tea and coffee and uh, cigarette stall outside a refugee camp. It's uh, it, it made a very strong image. But these things are often decided quite late on. But I, th- I think with the, n- the latest cover, um, we bumped into Hamish, didn't we, at uh, Hamish Muir at a, an I, event. <laughs> we, we'd separately been doing some work around the mosaic process. And the more we saw what Hamish and uh, Paul were doing with their type, the more it became obvious to me that this that was, was the, the great opportunity. The solution to, you know, yeah. to, to, do, to do the cover. So... <laughs> I think it was this was the only cover we... Yeah, we, we um, didn't we pin up 8,000 covers, by the way. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we have a, you know, quite a freedom with our covers. We, we don't put cover lines on the front, so we don't have to dodge around bits of type. Um, I think people are quite used to pretty eclectic range of things we do. Mm. Um, so and and you know we don't have that same newsstand. We, we, you, know, you can buy us in bookshops and magazine shops, but it's not as though we've got to sell thousands and yep. thousands of copies directly into the sort of retail trade. So there's a bit more freedom about what we do. Mm. Um, I think, and 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 just I think I even think you kind of almost undersell it I just think as, as someone who very much considers myself a geek who's grown up seeing this magazine on the shelf it's that cover is you know it's iconic it's it's something that I think we need it to be so unrestricted I think that's a beautiful thing I really do I think it's something that stands out jumps off the shelf well that's very nice of you to say I, I, I think there is this thing as well that we you know we have fantastic <laughs> readership don't we I mean we, we have Lots of subscribers who are very loyal, very patient, mm-hmm. and I think they expect something new each time. So I don't, you know, I don't think the typical eye reader expects us to do something similar to a cover we did last time or the time before. Oh, God, no. So that it becomes a challenge, of course. As, as well. Yeah, you raise the bar, <laughs> but, it, but it's a nice challenge to have, and it's. Um, uh, similarly, I, th- I think the same is true with the, the contents that we that there are certain regular features and things we do but we don't I don't think the readers would expect us to do the same kind of person the same kind of article mm. uh, every time uh, but um, it, it, it's got a very straightforward um, structure as a magazine you know with um, reviews at the back in the uncurtain section and then mm. uh, big features in the middle and shorter features at the front and that's mm. you know that's a nice discipline into which to put lots of very uh, different kinds of things, whether it might be more illustration in one issue, or a lot of type in another issue, or mm. uh, more photography in another, or even to have articles that go a little bit beyond the visual into things that affect people in in the world of design and art direction. Mm. So uh, the latest issue was a, was a big um, uh, piece about for, well, it was an education piece about the role of craft in design education, and there's a there's a critique of um, the way um, the processes we use, you know, the creative uh, creative suite and um, computers we use, are, are dominated by just a very small number of companies. Mm. So you know, it's it's it, it's nice to be able to um, commission writers who have lots to say and, and find a, a format into which to, to put their work. Yeah. Uh, and of course, for the, uh, the piece I was just talking about, about that's called the Program Designer. Uh, Simon then commissioned Tom Gold to do a very nice illustration that mm-hmm. kind of gives gives a visual kick to the piece, but it's it's uh, 
that one hopes it's the, the, the seeing Tom's uh, artwork will then uh, lead you into reading a, a 2,000 word article. Well, I mean, if, if anyone's going to do it. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually a brilliant summary of a 2,000 word article in one, yeah. <laughs> in one drawing. That's what John does. Do you both still feel very energised about the industry as a whole? When I mean, John, you and I met at the Illustration Awards the other night. Um, well, there's, there's, there's lots of things to feel gloomy about, but there's, I think there's even more things to feel excited about. So mm. It feels to, like pretty, to um, keep... transitional times. Is that how you feel in terms of someone heading magazine today? Is this, uh, do you, is there a need to adapt, or do you find you've got a strong market position in terms of that you have this strong audience of passionate uh, I think you can never be complacent, really. There's such a lot of things that can affect the magazine... Uh, industry mm. and the way they're sold and distributed and advertised, all, all the factors that, that affect you. I think, um, uh, that, I mean, the good thing about being a bit more established, you know, we're, we're um, as we didn't say earlier, we, we are now an indie magazine because um, Simon and I uh, bought the magazine from Haymarket uh, about nine and a half years ago. So mm -hmm. uh, we are. A, a properly independent magazine, really. Everyone to do with the magazine is really here, you know, and, and um, we don't have to, we're not beholden to um, the board of directors or a, mm. a big parent company, but also that makes us, can be a bit scary at times as well. Of course, so, yeah. Um, I think it's, um, it feels at the moment like a good time for any magazines. That, that may change, and you kind of hope that you can survive other changes that, that come along. In terms of, of content, um, maybe hand over to Simon. I mean, there's there's lots of stories we want to tell, and you keep discovering, you know, in the in the course of, of just going to shows and looking around, um, still keep discovering things we've never heard of before. Whether they're they're emerging um, designers and practitioners, or maybe an archive from some part of the world that we never heard of before or has never been properly. About. So th those are things that excite us, aren't they? If you find yeah, I think a, a body of work, there's always, there's always been a you know a fascination, not only to see contemporary work, and that's quite easy now. It, it wasn't so easy when the magazine first started, but I think there's also you know passion and interest to see historical work, and that's possibly not as well covered by other sources. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, in, I'm interested that you think it's a transitional time. What would what would you say are the transitional? Personally, as, as someone who's um, where I'm at now, I'm reaching a, approaching a decade of as, as a freelance illustrator. It's come more and more broad with a lot more writing, a lot more media work. So mm. I've been exposed to many new technologies. So I, I branded this show with uh, commissioning a 3D print of my head and then creating a set to paint onto that. That, to me, is an illustration of, of now the, the affordable access and ready access I have to yeah. all these great technologies. Mm. So whilst you find a lot of people kind of bemoaning you know, the, the noise on the internet that we're all exposed to now, the flip side of that and the positive side for me is that I've suddenly, you know, I can adapt now to all these great people doing things like 3D printing and we talked about this story for the cover. I find that an amazing and exciting time to empower creativity and, and all these great new avenues for fresh new ideas. So again, it's a double-edged sword, but I do feel we're at that time, we are at a time now when all these doors are opening, um, and of course I can go both ways. So, yes, I think, you know, but I think you're right. I think it's partly about the ease of access to the technology, and we live in, you know, the kind of startup age. So, starting things 
doesn't seem like a great mountain anymore mm. to people. Mm. It, the, they, lots of examples and people you know and people you read about who've started doing something. So I think that idea of, you know, that you can just start a new business or start a new direction or that you can add something onto the work you're already doing, which could be from a slightly different area. I think people are much more open to those kind of things than they probably were, I don't know, 10, 20 mm. years ago. Uh, you do meet a lot of people who they might have a job, so to speak, uh, with an agency or with a with a company, but they've often got their own thing going, whether it's um, just private work or maybe an ambition to start something new. And as Simon said, those things are it's easy to get started than ever before. I, I think the to go back to your point about the noise of the internet. Um, there has to come a point where you decide what you want to shut out. Where, you know what 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 you're really interested in. Oh, yeah. Where your where your interests lie and where your talents lie, and what you have to ignore. I, I think it's quite it can be quite confusing right at the start of your career uh, that there is just so much stuff going on, and it's that um, ability to sort of edit your edit your world a bit that, that that's uh, probably quite difficult to make that make that jump into. And some, but sometimes that's just through mentoring or, or just following your, your instincts. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more and I, and I think again that, that pulls back to the magazine in my opinion in that this is, you know, a magazine like I is a great opportunity for me to come home after a busy day of seeing all that stuff in my job through emails, through, you know, updating websites and just sit back with a cup of tea and, and, in, and just indulge in something that I can hold in my hand, something tactile you know, I, I like to think that you're a real bastion of that I mean, uh, We might quote you on that then <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, it's become, uh, it used to be something I did as part of the course as a kid, someone growing up in the mid-90s. Now it's a treat, you know, <laughs> to pull away from the well, world a little bit. I mean, there, that's another change, isn't it? There was a, a moment when there were a, a lot of design magazines um, that were quite similar. Uh, now that's not really the case, is it? There's uh, a lot, lot fewer magazines. Yes, yeah. I suppose in some area. ways being a, being a quarterly and being you know, funded as much by subscription revenue as advertising revenue has, has always, has kind of meant, you know, but not not always entirely planned that way, but it's, but it's meant that we've been able to survive in a market where, you know, publishing more frequently or relying more on advertising has become difficult. Mm. I, I think the other thing that's... Uh, uh, you know, possibly unexpectedly helped us is the rise of social media has meant that we're able to reassure people we're still here, even when there's a gap between issues, and we can post things on Facebook, Instagram, mm. Twitter. Uh, sometimes those are quite good ways for new people to find us. You know, yes. you get emails by people saying, "Oh, follow you on Instagram," and it takes them a while to realise that she is a living, breathing, <laughs> you know, tactile magazine behind a, f- a few cool images that people see. So uh, that's sort of a whole new, um, uh, you know, the visual noise aspect of social media it has good and bad aspects, but it has enabled us to reach people who would probably never find us in a magazine shop anymore or even hear about us through a, a friend or a yes. university lecturer. So that, that's, um, you know, it's quite exciting. And it's also, uh, I mean, conversely, it's, it has become a way that we find out about new stories and new interesting yep. writers and people. 
Yep, that's uh, it again. So it's, it's opened up the channels, it's just a case of managing those channels so you don't go completely mad. Again, completely, yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's the filtering process, isn't it, and knowing where to get the good resources. <laughs> Brilliant, well, um, when can we expect to see this wonderful... Well, this, this issue's mailing starting on Monday, so Brilliant. it'll be at, you know out to subscribers and uh, next week and out to bookshops at the end of the week. Brilliant. Well, by the time the show comes out, we'll be on the shelves. And uh, we're doing a couple of events uh, to mark the launch of the, the issue. We're doing uh, an event at Burley Fisher on the 17th of August. And then um, uh, first Tuesday in September, we're doing our regular quarterly type Tuesday. And that will feature uh, Muir McNeil, Hamish Muir and Paul McNeil from um, our cover stars of, of this issue. Wonderful. And also uh, a shorter talk from um, Henrik from A2 type and uh, it's actually Henrik's types that we use in the issue, the, um, the serif type and the, uh, the Clarendon we, we change the text typeface and the headline typeface for every issue mm. just as a way of you know, showing what's uh, what's out there and what's interesting mm. so it's, you know, each issue is a kind of showcase for type without, without necessarily thinking about it yeah and uh, it's um, <laughs> uh, so we, uh, and in fact the nice thing about having uh, Muir McNeil and um, A2 in the same event is that they've really got very very different approaches to type design so it's it, it's nice to be able to show that within the issue but also to uh, to bring that out in a, a live event and that I don't know if you've ever been to a any of our type choosers. I haven't. Ben, no. um, they, uh, they're at St Bride Library just off Fleet Street. And uh, they usually, uh, the, the place holds about 150 people, and it's uh, we have usually two two parts with a, a, a break for drinks in the middle. They're, they're quite sociable events. People always ask really smart questions at the, at the end. And um, it's become a nice way of, um, again, meeting our readers and yep. getting a bit of feedback and presenting. Uh, some really fantastic people. The, the last Touch Tuesday we did was um, all about uh, street signs from Italy. Wow. And with free Prosecco on that occasion. Nice. So that, that, was a, that was a very <laughs> nice event. But we've done all uh, things about all, all aspects of, uh, yeah. of type, you know, from uh, emojis and florons to uh, uh, type for trains. So it's been, oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, it's, an, it's another magazine-like thing that, that yeah. we do that's, that's not a magazine, it's an event. Of course, it's important, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, roll out the cover stars. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, the last question that I always ask my guests, and it's always a bit tricky when there's two, I call it the shark in the tank, because I love Damien Hurst's uh, shark piece, and it's a real love-hate piece. So I ask for a positive and a negative. And given that you guys produce a wonderful magazine, let's keep it within the job of producing a design magazine. I'm going to let you choose who goes for the positive and who goes for the negative. <laughs> <laughs> so you want... The worst aspect of making a magazine and the best aspect. Yeah, it can be fun, it can be serious, it can be whatever you want. It's a very open question. <laughs> um. uh, well, because it, the most <laughs> immediate negative I can think of um, is that when you have a big bag full of them, they're bloody heavy, and my neck, <laughs> That's a my neck is still aching from <laughs> carrying all these back from the printer last night. <laughs> That's easily a top five answer that I've had on the show. That's brilliant. <laughs> Simon, the bar's been raised. <laughs> well, I think the positive and the negative thing 
at times are exactly the same, which is there's so much interesting stuff to write about and feature that it's very exciting to make a magazine, but it's also sometimes quite difficult to mm. sort of know when to stop, isn't it, John? <laughs> there's, there's, you know, you're, you're in the middle of an issue and, that, and you've, you've kind of got the contents, but then there's always other stuff popping up and, you know, it's oh actually, actually, unlike the internet, which is kind of fluid, isn't it? Nothing, no blog is ever really finish no no post you know you, you can always add another tweet or something a magazine is very it's a very final thing you have to make the plates to start the printing press God, yeah. and um yeah sometimes getting to that point is uh, mm, yep. that i must say you know getting to that point is a is a uh, a great thrill to see all these <laughs> <laughs> these ideas these uh, the, the texts and the uh, images and layouts um, suddenly turn into a massive physical thing. There's, there's great palettes full of mm. finished, bound, trimmed issues. Uh, it's, um, it, it's quite a moving moment, I would say. Moving <laughs> and expensive. <laughs> 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 but I think when, we, when we're putting the magazine together, you, you know, and you've got articles coming in from you know very different uh, trains of thought and talking about different things there's there's often a moment where it just seems to acquire a a kind of critical mass isn't there and it Mm. suddenly turns from a bunch of disparate things into the issue and Mm. that we often find kind of resonances between them and and connections yeah you find connections you didn't expect to find at all and that's uh, that's part of the fun of a magazine and in fact something i admire in other great magazines you know you start you know reading um a good magazine whether it's private eye or vanity fair or uh, wired or whatever, and you see there is a kind of editorial intelligence at work that that, that goes through and make, makes it a really satisfying. Not, not that we're trying to make huge claims for our editorial, edit, <laughs> our editorial intelligence. <laughs> but no, you're very good point there. Actually, speaking of those connections, it was through your magazine actually a number of years ago that I was able to go and meet a hero of mine, Ken Garland. I'd, I'd, I'd studied in my, in my dissertation. Right. Yeah. And then some years went by and I hadn't really thought about them since and then spotted a, a lovely feature on Ken in the magazine and then at the back of that thought I really should at least try my try my look and he had me got me around for the afternoon. I, he, he's in the he's in my book, he was he's been on the podcast, he's been a real he was great, he was wonderful and he, he was he was you know, it was quite the opposite. I couldn't seem to stop him once he yes. got going, he was awesome. No, no, okay. Well well there is somebody who is, you know, a designer and a writer and a photographer and a kind of polemicist and a, a very good public speaker. Yeah, Ken Ken's a real hero, and uh, you know he's written for I for over many years. I mean, he he, he turns in fantastic articles on all sorts of uh, issues, and of course he made a very interesting interview uh, subject back for mm. I sixty six. Mm. And he's uh, you know he's designed children's games. I saw someone on um, Instagram the other day saying uh, out there. Out in a California beach house, they're playing one of uh, that that Connect yeah. uh, oh, wow. game that you yeah. designed. They say, "Who knew Ken Garland designed <laughs> game?" Created <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Yeah, clearly hadn't read, read that issue of I. But uh, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, and lastly, where can people find the website for I to stay up on when the mag's out? iMagazine.com. Perfect. Uh, we're on Twitter as iMagazine, on Instagram as iMagazine underscore, and you can find us on Facebook. So we're we're all over the place. Brilliant. And, uh, we'll be in. Uh, good uh, select bookshops from 
around about the 19th of August. Yeah, 19th. Yeah. Super. Well, thanks for your time, guys. Uh, pleasure. Thank, Thank you, Ben. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers. Thanks to the brilliant iMagazine. Thanks to John and Simon for taking the time to chat to me on a Friday afternoon when I'm sure they had better things to be doing. Um, but there you have it. I sat with a, a selection of magazines. John talked me through them. He showed me just some love for what they're doing. And it was really quite special to see um, how much it means to these guys to to be doing this, to be working on such a labour of love and such a wonderful beacon of uh, printed magazines and creative journals especially so i hope you guys are as big a fans as i of the magazine and i hope that you are going to go and grab yourself a copy of this before it runs out because it's very limited like i say every single one is a unique special issue so go and get your copy it's uh, really looks stunning and it's such a great story there behind the idea and the execution of that so go and look on their social channels for all the behind the scenes scoops as well We've got lots of wonderful episodes coming up. On the way out of the studios, I bumped into Marion Duchars, who has a, a studio in the same building. So we've got Marion coming up on the show not too long. Uh, Marion's wonderful, and she's a real illustration heavyweight, has been for many years now, and she's a lovely lady too. Um, she won't tell you that herself. She's very, uh, very modest, as we all tend to be in this industry, because she's such a nice person. So all that coming up. Thanks, guys, for the support. It means a lot. Please do get your feedback on the Twitter at RestAholmyMix. Hit me up, hello at bentallen.com if you want to go down the personal route. Um, we're ever quickly coming up on the 100th episode. Get me your thoughts over. There's been lots of feedback on that, lots of suggestions. So I am working on a few of those to see who we can bring you for a big, big episode coming up. doesn't necessarily have to be a big name. It can be a big new idea from somebody new into the industry or maybe not even in the industry. Who knows? Who knows where it's going to go with that episode? So cheers. Get your feedback over. Thanks to the sponsors. Thanks to all you lovely listeners. Please do drop us a review on the iTunes if you get a moment. Uh, and go and buy a copy of iMagazine. Yes, it's awesome. <laughs> anyway cheers guys thanks for checking in as ever I'll chat to you very soon I'll see you next week